Do you got anybody else who's been watching the Olympics, any Olympics fans in the house? Yeah, there's a couple of them. It was a little less exciting this year because everything was happening in the middle of the night. And there's other years where I've been more into the Olympics, like specifically back to 1996 when it was in Atlanta, and I got to go to a good amount of the games because I lived in the Atlanta area. And so because of that at an earlier age, I really learned to enjoy the Olympics, and I love seeing our nation do well. And... And it's kind of a funny thing because, you know, right now there's some athletes that love, you know, the nation they play for. And there's some athletes that are not big fans of the nation they play for. And so when you get a moment where you have one athlete who just celebrates and says, you know, I'm so proud to represent my country. It's, it's so encouraging to my heart to see that. Um, and, and because I'm, I'm a fan, like I'm a fan of our country. But at the same time, I will recognize that there's things that, that we can learn from other cultures. There's things that other cultures do well that maybe we don't do as well. Like, it's kind of like the, the illustration, the story about the, the guy from L.A. who is an owner of a business who's on vacation in Mexico. He's walking through the marketplace, and he saw a fisherman coming in with his day's catch, and he saw an opportunity. He says, you know, if I can buy that fish before he gets to the market, I bet I can probably get it for half the price. Guy's got a basket full of yellowfin tuna, which if you're not a fish person, expensive fish, Delicious fish. You could just cut a chunk of meat off and eat it raw. Delicious, sushi-grade tuna fish. All right, I know that might not be your thing. That's my thing. That's all right. So he sees this fish and says, I'm going to try to buy that whole fish for $25. And he pulls $25 out and says, hey, I'll buy one of those for me for 25 bucks. And he said, the fisherman said, you know, that's usually what I about sell it for at the marketplace. That's fine. I'll sell you one here and now. And as he bought the fish and the businessman appreciated it, he kind of looked at him, had a little pity in his heart, and he said, you know, you, you must have only fished for three or four hours today. The fisherman said, yeah, that's right. Well, why don't you fish a little bit longer? The fisherman said, well, I go and I fish in the morning, and then I go home, and I eat lunch with my family. I take a nice siesta with my wife. I play with my children after that. Then we eat dinner together, and then I play guitar with my friends until dark. And the businessman said, well, if you would just work a little bit longer, then you could store up enough money and then you could leverage your house and you could put your house on lease and you could buy another couple fishing boats. And then you could employ a few fishermen. And if you would be willing to work 10 or 12 hour days and do this for a while, you could make a great deal of money. You could start to export the fish to LA and New York. People love yellowfin tuna. You just got to work a little bit more. And he's like, okay, well, what would happen if I did that? Well, then you would earn more money. You could eventually sell stock in the company and then you could sell it for millions, and then in about 25 to 30 years, you could retire. Okay, what would I do when I retire? Well, you could wake up and you could go fishing in the morning, take a nap with your wife, play with your children as much as you wanted to, and then play guitar with your friends in the evening. And it would only take 25 to 30 years of hard work to get to that point. And we understand that our, our nation, our culture, we, we have this almost obsession with, I mean, putting money first, putting work first, putting something first that if something were to happen to us, we would be replaced in weeks and putting to the side our family, our children, our wives that we are irreplaceable to, our husbands. In fact, putting our soul behind so many other things that don't matter. Our priorities, I think, around the things that matter, they get, they get twisted in our culture. And 
Today, I'm going to have one very specific area of focus with one very specific challenge for you guys. And today's message, it was kind of like an, an unscheduled change because I, I'm, I'm pumped for this new series that we're starting, Win the Day. I've got the t-shirt on. We've got the stuff ready. Sermon number one is called Flip the Script. I've got the details for it done. I'm pumped for this, this book. If you read along the book as we go, it's going to help you. But I took Though this series is coming and I had to push it back one week because I think this series is going to be so beneficial and this is where we're going today is that if you would experience this series in the context of some community within a small group, I know it's going to pack so much more punch in your life. It's going to have so much more lasting effect if you would be willing to walk through this series that we're going to study on Sunday mornings with a group of friends over lunch or in the evenings or in the mornings, if you would collect with some other people and work through what we teach on Sunday mornings, I know it's going to stick with you and have an effect in your life in a lot of other ways. And the, the taglines for this series, it talks about reaching your dreams. It talks about getting rid of anxiety, which might, on the surface level, you might look and say, that doesn't sound very spiritual to just go towards dreams and getting rid of stress and anxiety in your life. I want to tell you, the result of walking closely with Jesus is that when you're in the middle of the storm, you are calm. That when life is difficult, the stress doesn't control you because the Spirit of God is so powerfully guiding you that you have no fear. And I believe that God has a purpose for your life, that he has given you specific gifts to use in the church and in the community to impact other people. And there, there's a dream that God has for your life that is bigger than the dream that you have for your life. And if you're not even getting up to the dream that you have for your life yet, I want to tell you, God wants to take you so much further than you would ever ask or imagine. God wants to work through his children. And so when we talk about winning the day, that's what we're going to be getting to. But because I think that it's such, a, such powerful content that has to be applied, it's got to be experienced in the context of community. And I just remembered, I've been meaning to do this for like three weeks First service is like half as many as you people. And they are three times as loud. It should not be. You slept in longer. You had more opportunity to drink coffee. I demand some encouragement from you people. All right? So when I ask you to talk back to me, I'm expecting it. So I need your help with this. And, the, and I apologize, this board is borrowed and it's tilting the wrong way. So here at the center is your day is your life. Connected to your life is a lot of different groups of people, friendships, relationships that you have to manage. All right? Give me some examples of groups of people, friendships that your life is connected to that you have to manage. Give me an example. Family. All right, hold on, hold on. Family. Someone said sleep first service, and I was like, I don't know about sleep. I don't know who you're meeting in your sleep time. Uh, so, so don't say that one. I already made fun of that. So what else? Family. Work, that's right. Pickleball, I'm going to say sports. Make it a little bit more applicable. What else? Friends, not to be confused with work or family. Friends, all right, what else? Neighbors, also known as conflict management. What else? School. I heard small group. 
What other relationships are in your life that you have to manage? Spouse deserves to be managed on their own. It's good. I'll circle that one too. What else? Yourself, a relationship with yourself, some self-care. That's good. These are, which one? Finances. People, yeah, yeah, you got some bankers in your life. Um, Okay, not to um, make anyone feel bad for not saying this, but another relationship is is our relationship with God. Pastor will throw that one in there. (laughs) Don't don't feel bad that you did. I know you thought it. You thought about it. Okay, now this is an interesting thing because we have all these different areas that that we all have to manage these relationships, and there's many more that we're not going to have time. Kids' sports hobbies. I mean, there's so many things like that within our city that that we're connected to, and they're all good things. But I wonder which ones have the most time and the most weight and the most thought in your life. Now, you can balance that. You can say, okay, I know what, what has the strongest gravity right now for us. The big question is, does it deserve that much gravity? Does it deserve that much time? Does it deserve that much worry? And with all the time that you pour into it, is it going to pour anything back into you? Is it going to matter at the end of the day? Or are you just trying to fill up a bucket that has holes in it? Now, th- this, this is the interesting thing that within these, this way that our American lives go, we have all these different areas. And one of the interesting things is that these relationships are so linear. Like they don't have much crossover. Like the people at work are, are usually not my family. They're not usually the people that I play sports with. They're not usually my friends, unfortunately. Um, not true in my workplace. I love you, Drew and Aspen and Haley. Not true for my workplace. Um, neighbors, it's, it's all linear. Like, so it's very easy and we see this very commonly and you've maybe felt this before where it's like I be- begin to be a different person at work than I am at home. And I'm a different person out in the softball league in our city than I am at church on Sunday. And when all of our relationships are all broken up, it allows us, it frees us from any accountability of being the same person in different places. It's one of the reasons why church softball should be interesting because you've got a little bit like, oh, my pastor is watching me yell at this pastor from another church about softball. Like, there's an integration that should happen. And our generations are some of the first generations to really get to this point where we know more than 100 people in our lifetime. Like, you literally have thousands of people that, that are influencing your day. And this is generationally new. You have thousands of people who are sending you email, who are trying to get advertisements in front of you. You have so many people that you know, and your relationship to them is all different, and your relationship to them is, for the majority, a mile wide and an inch deep. And this isn't just true of you, this is true of America. Um, George Gallup Jr., in the People's Religion Study, he found that Americans are the loneliest people on the planet. When surveying other nations and looking at Americans, we are the most connected but we also have the strongest sense of being lonely. It shouldn't be that way, should it? 
We have all this opportunity, but for some reason in the way that we've been doing life and the way that we've been doing relationships, we've missed something. And social isolation, this feeling of loneliness, it's destructive. Um, Studies have shown that social isolation contributes to illness and death as much as smoking can contribute to illness and death. So if you learn anything from that, don't smoke alone. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But we know that smoking is a destructive habit. I mean, that's that's well studied and well known, but I want you to know that living in isolation, even though you have thousands of people around you, it's not how God has designed you to live. There's probably been an alarm bell going off in your heart and in your mind that says, I shouldn't be living this way. I shouldn't feel alone. But we continue in the patterns that have led us to that. We continue in shallow patterns. Today, I want to encourage and I want to invite you to to make some some wiser decisions in that. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It says, be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, this passage, first of all, it tells us to be considerate, to be careful. That we shouldn't just go through the motions of life without questioning the things that we are doing. There's an element of care that we should stop and evaluate. And many of you guys, you have this this orbit of activity around you with all of these networks that you're committed to, and you need to look at it and make some wise decisions and say, how do I fix this? So shout out to me. How do we begin to fix the fact that we're overcommitted in too many places that we can't go deep enough? How do we begin to fix it? We get rid of work. That's right. We just stop... (laughs) That, that would be great, but, but the, the idea is right there that, that we have to get rid of things. We have to get rid of something. We have to minimize the draw that some of this has. And so we look at it and we say, okay, you know, well, um, you, you know, call up your mother-in-law and say, well, I've decided I have to eliminate some things from my life that don't matter as much as the, no, no, that's not how it works either. But in all of these things, in the important ones, we have to rebalance. And there's so many things that we've given far too much weight, far too much gravity, and it's not wise. It's not wise to be committed to seven nights of kids' sports activity a week with your family. You won't see each other. You won't eat meals together. You won't be able to invest in each other. It's not wise to live your life to where you have no margin and no day of rest. And it's not wise to continue into a pattern that allows you to live in these linear relationships where there's no crossover and no accountability, we have to get to a point where we have some people who have such access to our life that if they were at our house, they could just go and open our fridge and it wouldn't feel awkward. How many, I mean, that's kind of a weird friendship test, but I mean, that's just one of them. How many people in your life could just come into your house, sit down wherever they want, go get something out of the fridge because they know you that well? Some of us are more comfortable than others just going into, I mean, hopefully you know the people's house that you're entering to go into their fridge. Um, but, but we need more people like you in our life that we, we, we say, you can have access to all of my life. You can, you can correct me. You can talk to me about what I'm struggling in and I won't take it as offense, but I'll take it as love. 
And there's some decisions that we look at that the way that we've been doing things, we haven't been careful about it. We've just gone through the, the motions and we haven't been wise and we need to begin to make some wise decisions because this word making the most of every opportunity that's in verse 16, it's the same word that's used in scripture for redeem. And it says these days are evil. It's interesting when you get into like the definition of the word evil here, it's first definition is actually day laborers and annoyances. I don't know what that's saying about day laborers and and their behaviors, but the days are filled with difficulties and annoyances. And so we need to redeem this day. We, We need to grab a hold of the day and change the way that it's going to go. The the pattern that we've been in doesn't have to be the pattern that we stay in, but we're not going to get out of it without careful consideration and without an intentionality that I'm going to change my patterns. And especially if you have been feeling like depression has a grip. There's a lot of different levels of depression and I, I want to first encourage you that, that if it's been a long season, that if it's clinical depression, first of all, it's okay to get help from a doctor. I mean, we want to pray with you. We want to walk through, through things with you. But just the same way that you go to a doctor for something physical, going to a counselor for something emotional is a good step. And I encourage you towards that. But one of the ways, one of the factors that works us out of depression is good, strong community being with people. And today, I mean, this is my my push on you guys today. We've got to get into not just community of being around people, but spiritual fellowship. There's something that, that it gets real when you say it out loud. You probably, like me, have thought to yourself, man, I need to start going to the gym again. It has been a while. Pants are fitting differently. And you've thought it but you haven't said it to your spouse or a friend yet because you know as soon as you say it to them, they're going to be like, okay, so when are you going? And you don't want to deal with that yet. You're just thinking about it. And so the moment where you begin to verbalize something, it becomes more real. So much in your faith, when you study scripture and you have to say what scripture teaches out loud to someone else in the room, it hits with a different reality to you. Sunday morning is, is often the most common entry point to the church, but it is not an arrival of a finish line. And what I want to push you towards is you've got to get in fellowship with someone else where you talk about spiritual things. And I know there's part of us that's like, man, I want that, but man, that almost sounds scary and awkward. And I, I pray that God grants you courage to begin to do this. And there's so many different ways that this can happen. I mean, in today's world, it's, it's amazing how some small groups meet on Zoom and that's just what they do every day. They, they meet during their lunch hour. They're in 18 different places and, and they, they meet on Zoom. Some people meet for breakfast in the morning. Some people meet in the evening. Some people will meet on Sunday nights. There's so many different options. And our first objection is, well, Paul, I'm just too busy. Are you busy with the right things? Because if, if God and my spiritual health are some of the most crucial things, if they're the foundation that the rest of my life gets built on top of, If that's not solid, everything else I build on it will crumble. And so we have to begin to reorganize and make some wise decisions about how we're living our life. And so in this circle, one of the things that I believe that we need to do is we need to make this circle smaller and we need to have some crossover. We need to get some friends 
and some church people and some work people together in one room and let them see the real me that I need to be in all three of those places. We need to have some relation. I, I love when you guys invite me to like a party at your house because I know that I am like, I am, I am crossing lines over. It's like, uh, you know, th- these are the work people. These are the friends. These are the neighbors. And now here's the church guy who, who is going to talk about Jesus somewhere. Like it, it's a beautiful thing because I love talking about God, but I also know that usually if you're inviting me to a party, it's because you want to see some of that crossover. And then someone will be like, so your pastor was at the party. Didn't know people invited pastors to parties. Um, <laughs> Um, but, but it begins to cross those lines. And so I, I want to encourage you as I talk about some small group stuff here and the need to be in fellowship with other people, my objective, the safe move, the first safe move, and you can do this if you've never been in a small group before, but the first safe move is just invite some other people from church. That friendly person who always hugs me, I'll invite that person. I don't think they'll be angry about studying the Bible together. That's a good first safe move. Uh, get a little bit more dangerous, invite some neighbors, invite some friends, invite some coworkers to your small group. And, it, and, it, and it's going to begin some of that crossover that I believe that we need in our life. And so for, I'm going to go through five, five things that I believe are, are steps to begin to, to help move from linear friendships. And the first is get more people into your circle who not only know you, but know each other. Like beginning those friendships that it's like they're from different places and we're all going to know each other and they're going to know me. And it's going to help me not be a different person in each place because they have access to this person. The, the next thing to kind of slow the circle down would be to draw a one mile radius around your house and do as much living in that circle as you can. I, I believe that we have a calling towards our neighbors. I believe that the people who live near you, you, you are challenged by the great commission, by Jesus' words himself, to bring the love of God into their life. It's not someone else's responsibility. It's your responsibility to reach your neighbors and to impact them with the love of God. Number three, get into or form a small group with fellow Christians who live within this radius or, or people who haven't been in church for a while. Invite them in and begin to have a group for them. The fourth thing would be to choose some of these circles that are in your life and eliminate them but probably not work and probably not your mother-in-law, but that's up to you and God to figure out. (laughs) The fifth thing would be to trade digital availability for more walks and time on the front porch. So much of our time gets eaten up just by wanting to be digitally available. I'm gonna tell you, if you just turn that sucker off and leave it on the front table, just put it down somewhere and walk away for a couple hours. I know you'll have the nervous itch You'd be like, I got, I got to just see. I got, what if there was an emergency? The emergency can wait. Make yourself unavailable digitally so that you can be available physically and emotionally to your family. You won't regret it. And the reason that we would take steps like that is that we don't need more relationships. We need a different kind of relationship. We need a deeper one. We need one that's going to spiritually challenge us and fill us. And we know that because some of the scripture passages that I know you know, they push us towards these concepts. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's a very simple passage. It's supposed to be on our mind. We're supposed to be thinking about how can I encourage other people towards love and good works? Other translations use the more direct term in the Greek of spur, which is like a good kicking motion. Let us think of the ways that I can kick my friend towards Jesus. Some of our friends need a good kick, a loving push. 
We've, we've got to figure out the ways to put other people. And, and I'll say it like this, having people in your life that are going to spiritually challenge you, it's like the difference of when you're at the grocery store and the, you, you have a grocery cart that you should put back into the, the little corral, but the corral's far away. And so you look around and you ask yourself, is anyone looking? Can I just leave it here in the seat? And you feel one way about doing it until you see someone that you know, right? And when you see someone that you know, you feel like, oh, I can't just leave the cart here. Because the presence of someone else in your life that you know motivates you to do what is right. Bringing someone else into your life that you know, that you trust to study scripture with, when they see you living your life and you've had that conversation with them, that yeah, man, we we are called by God to seek after those who are far from him. And then you're around someone at work who is annoying and is far from God and is difficult and you see them, you're gonna, you're gonna know, I still have to operate with love because we've talked about this at our small group, because we've talked about this in fellowship. I have to, I have to step up my game in my life. That's what inviting someone else in will do. It'll spur you on towards good works. We know that when we have people who are close to us that are spiritually deep in our life, Ecclesiastes 4.12 is another passage you know. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Alone, there's a lot that you can't see. You have a lot of blind spots. You have a lot of places where you are vulnerable to attack when you're trying to fight a battle alone. But when you have one or two people who will come along and say, I will look at the places that you can't see. I will protect you in the places where you can't protect yourself. I will fight with you and fight for you. You will win fights that you never thought you could. But it happens in accountability. It happens in fellowship. It happens in doing this spiritual life together. And you will never be as strong. You will never be as victorious if you try to go it alone. It's good for you. It's fun. It, it feels fulfilling when you have a partner in life and faith. And it is foolish to continue on in the patterns that have been destructive for us, pretending that it's going to lead us to some other conclusion. And when we get to points like this, this is an easy intersection where you can say, I know I need this. I'm going to get into a small group. I'm going to get into connection and relationship with someone else. Acts chapter two, the early church was a great example of living out their faith together. In verse 46, it said, every day the church, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now I wanna tell you, the early church, the bar is high. Seven days a week, they're gathered for worship. I'm not asking you to go from zero to 100. I'm asking you to go from one to two. I'm, I'm encouraging you for, for seven weeks, just for seven weeks, starting next week, you have a whole seven days to mentally prepare for it. I want to challenge you. Will you just open yourself up to spend some time with other people and study the word of God in a place other than a Sunday morning setting? This is a great start, but I'm going to tell you, when we get into huddles together, we get to see spiritual gifts and spiritual life and God do things that we wouldn't necessarily see him do here when we begin to allow him to work in our homes. And I want to start here. I've, I had to shift the series back that we we're gonna start because I believe that as we get into this win the day series, 
It's going to be helpful. It's going to be powerful. It's going to help you. It'll help some friends who've been out of church for a while if you would invite them. But the power of it is really going to stick in your life if you'll experience the next seven weeks with a group of people. So the challenge, it's not theoretical. It doesn't happen in secret. It doesn't happen in your mind. It's not a prayer that you just say in your heart. The challenge is very practical. For the next seven weeks, would you get together with some people and discuss scripture? We're going to provide questions that you guys can talk about. If they go here and they watch the service, then, then they'll have a lot to say about it. But the questions will still just spark up conversation because it's getting to real life stuff and real life application of scripture. That, um, if you were here for Chase the Lion, you know that series was great. It was written, it followed a book by an author named Mark Batterson. When the Day is written by Mark Batterson. And I'll tell you, I was just at a church planting conference and I got to be in a small room of people with Mark Batterson for a few days. And the content is great and, and his character is authentic and, and, and powerful. But I wanna give you just a picture of what we're gonna go through th- for the next seven weeks that I want you to experience with some other people. Could we go ahead and play that video? Our job is to consecrate ourselves to God. And if we do that day in and day out, God is going to show up and show off. Flip the script. If you want to change your life, you have to change your story. Kiss the wave. The obstacle is not the enemy. The obstacle is the way. Eat the frog. If you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural. Fly the kite. How you do anything is how you'll do everything. Cut the rope. Playing it safe is risky wind the clock. You do not find time. You have to make time. Seed the clouds. You have to sow today what you want to see tomorrow. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is mystery. Win the day. Hey, Gulfside Church. It's Mark Batterson. Heard about this series that you're starting, Win the Day. Super excited, uh, seven habits that I think are gonna help you stress less, accomplish more. Uh, Let me just say it like it is. Yesterday is history, tomorrow's mystery. You gotta win the day. You do that enough days in a row and it can change your life. And so, super excited, it's a joy uh, to have met your pastor, Pastor Paul. Excited about where you're going as a church. Just wanted to say, God bless. Isn't that cool Mark did that for us? Yeah. He's an awesome guy and he, God has gifted him and an ability to communicate some things that will help. That will help you. It would help your neighbor. They would help that loved one that you know. It's like they wanted to be in church, but they haven't. And I'd encourage you to bring them along for this series. And if they're not comfortable stepping back into church yet, invite them to your house and discuss it there. But, but today's, today's message, it, it's very simple. Like, We have a need. God has designed your heart to need other people. And maybe you've built walls around that for a while to where it kind of feels numb and it kind of feels callous. Like, no, I am doing just fine being completely by myself on an island, having no one to talk to, no one to help me. If I fall down, no one will be there. I I don't need anyone. I'm just going to live and die alone. That's evidence of a wound. And scripture says that we experience healing when we confess our sins one to another. It's interesting, not just when we confess them to God, but 
we're actually called to confess them to each other. God has designed healing and life to happen in community. He has designed the church to operate as body. When one piece is missing, all the parts suffer. We need each other. You need to be connected to other people. And if you would just open up the door, say, I'll try it for a few weeks. I'll even give you permission to say, you don't have to sign on for the full seven weeks. A couple weeks, I'll try a small group. I'll see if it's good for me. But I believe and I know that when you get into a room with some other people and they pray for you and you guys talk about scripture, the spirit of God is gonna be there in a way that you feel like this has been a part of my heart that has been missing. But it's gonna take this courageous step to just say yes to it. It's gonna take that courageous step to open up my life and allow what was once linear, whereas different people in different places, I'm gonna have to start to be the same person in multiple places. And that's gonna start to feel like healthy. That's gonna start to feel like it's blessed by God. It's gonna start to feel like I'm getting better than what I was. But the decision will happen today. Some of you guys have been in a small group and I know that it's been blessing you. Some of you guys have never tried it or maybe you've been hurt by a group. I wanna just ask you to be courageous. Sign up, get connected. You can do it on the website. As soon as you leave these doors, there's a sheet on the table back there. You can sign up and we'll contact you. If you're interested in hosting or leading or just participating, let us know. We're gonna provide the questions. You don't have to think about what to say. But I just don't want any of you guys to feel like your only choice is to go through this life alone that has not been God's design for you. And that's not what this church is going to be. This church is going to be a place where you have options. So some of you guys I've known long enough that where you can just take the pressure from the pastor and say, okay, you're my pastor. I'll do it for a little while. Some of you guys I'm new to. And I just want to, I want to charge you. I want to challenge you. Take the step, take the step, take the step, take the step. Get in community for a little bit know that if our church moves forward in this, we're going to get to see God do so many incredible and encouraging things when his people connect in fellowship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are called to spur each other on, that we're called to live wisely, that we're called to redeem these days that are fleeting and filled with difficulties. And so for all the circles that put so much pressure on our mind and our heart, Help us to take care of the most important first, our relationship with you. So out of our love for you, help us to, to connect with someone else, however that works for the season. I pray courage for each one of us that feel like we need to take that step. And we pray for provision. As we take that step, we know that you'll meet us there, that the fight that we're in, that you will win it. In Jesus' name.